was Men in My Body by this episode's guest, Sue Brett. Uh, welcome, everybody, to Is This Music? I'm your host, Justin. Um, got a timely episode, this one. I'm feeling feeling the groove now, this monthly groove. Um, I do have one more uh, interview lined up that I'm going to be releasing next month. Then uh, I'm gonna play around with a couple uh, format things, some some shorter, shorter episodes and everything. So, uh, oh, that was me deciding that that's not how I wanted to do this intro. But I also refuse to edit. So, welcome to It's This Music, and again, I am your host, Justin. I hope you like what uh, what you hear. If you have any comments, suggestions, or just want to be on the show. Send me an email. Look me up on Instagram. Those are literally the only two ways that you can do it. But do subscribe. Do leave a review. Click the stars or whatever. Um, follow me to the ends of the earth. I'd appreciate it. You know, in lieu of an intro and a recap of my guest, uh, this episode uh, of Subret, I'm just going to describe for you the last time I saw her perform. If you like our chat, you can find them on Instagram, get the music on Bandcamp, find her website. It's all under Subret. It's also in the description. So just scroll down, copy, paste, you know the drill. And share this episode with someone. Or on the socials if you're if you're na- I wrote if you're nasty in my little script here, but I don't think I actually say that. Maybe leave a review, like I mentioned. Email me with feedback, you know, all that stuff. You know how I feel about voids. I throw myself into them. Now, with the show, it was a Thursday night with the energy of a Tuesday. I was tired, busy. I was there to see the riff-righteous rock of Sick Eagle. It's fronted by Adam Zaylor. Put up a good chat way back in episode two. Also, I was late because I was tired, busy, and there to see the riff-righteous rock of Sick Eagle. But instead, when I stumbled into the Eagles 34 in Seward with its Stranger Things-ish holiday lights, wood dance floor, and event room folding tables, I saw Nellie, or Subrette, it was hard to tell, you'll get that after this episode, strapped to the back of some sax player named Ivan Cunningham. Ivan, I want to talk to you soon. She was getting pulled around the dance floor, sometimes stumbling, sometimes being carried away, limbs flailing, until she regained footing and dashed to some other corner of the room or another, screaming, singing, conversing about Satan knows what with some context that I or everyone else in the room missed, all to some mutilated, careless whisper soundtrack bleeped and blooped out of Ivan's brass extension of his mouth. Or sax brass. I've only tried to make fart noises on one when my little brother tried to band out when he was 14. I was, I was 22. Suddenly, someone... And the crowd started talking back. They seemed irritated. Nellie or Subret calmly reassured them that everything is fine, but no matter what they actually wanted, they were now part of it. 
I did not sit well with Player 3, who seemed broken by the news, snapping their teeth and receding into themselves, as they looked around and realized that they were, indeed, part of it. And as they receded, Nelly or Soubrette, lay it on thicker, because she was right, this person, plant or not, was part of it. More play ensued with Ivan, moving over to a mound of children's toys, which I didn't question until I wrote that sentence, but no, the moment was ruined, maybe. And Soubrette slanked off the floor, leaving the random person mumbling depressing things. Then suddenly, it was done. That was it. It just ended. I'm leaving out so many details, because I can't remember the order that they happened. It was just an onslaught of wondering what I was watching, and I am so fucking hooked. Enjoy my chat with Sue Brett. Slash Nelly. Is that bedroom haunted by a street lamp light? I've been keeping a man whose name I can't remember. Unfinished base, half finished basement. It looks pretty finished to me. You know? It's got some personality. It's got yeah. yeah. Caruso yeah. watching over the space. I just like in that in that album that like the only thing why why make his face hyper realistic? I don't know, it's, but it's really like giving me the goodness. It's good, yeah, it's yeah. quite modern. Like it seems like somebody just made it and then made it look old. Yeah. That that that's uh, I, I believe that's mildew. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's, it's that's I can smell there. it from here in a good way. You could, you know. It's giving me it's, the music and smell form. It's earthy. Yeah, it's earthy. It's of the earth. Uh, well, welcome to the Thank show. You. <laughs> uh, so have um, this this episode guest is Subret uh, Nelly June Anderson, um, aka I don't know what 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 direction the aka goes oh both i haven't figured that out either um so like let's start it out how i start each one of these out like and figure out what experiment experimentalism experimenting in music you see how you fit into it yeah um it's a very open-ended question but but yeah what do you experiment with yeah um I feel like all of my experimenting comes from spiritual work that I do Mm. and comes from the fact that I've always been a singer, but, and I can't really avoid that, but I am a lot more interested in like performance art and more conceptual stuff and just doing things that anything that's weird and that I haven't seen before or heard before is what interests me especially in this time when there's a lot of copying and pasting the forms of dance music and certain sounds and like overproduced cleanliness and stuff like that. I'm really interested in going the opposite direction and making things more improvisatory, rough, um, lyrics that don't make sense. I think confusion is really, uh, 
Confusion and mystery. Confusion and mystery. Yeah. Uh, it's important. Well, so how do you, how do you like, how, how do you like stumble on or identify? How do you, yeah. How do you identify something that you've never seen before? You know, heard before. Like when does that occur? It's just like, if I get, um, if my mind goes like, Oh, you're allowed to do that. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to do that in music. Oh, you're allowed to wear that. You're allowed to put on that kind of show in a theater, like something like that. Or like, oh, that counts as dance. Oh, a lot of it has to do with taking things from one context and putting it into another, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since so much has been made by humans now and we've gone so many different directions. I think right now it's all about taking things and putting them in new contexts. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that kind of, so that shows up. I mean, you mentioned performance art. And so I, yeah, I, what was that? That was just like a, what, a month ago, a month and a half ago that I caught you at the White Squirrel yeah. bar, which is fantastic. Like, uh, and it, it really like blew. I was, I was, I was with a group of people, you know, opera singers, opera singers, like yeah. a whole, a, a gaggle of opera singers. <laughs> And, um, a murder of, opera um, a murder of opera singers. <laughs> I think that, yeah. A murder of opera singers. Yeah. And, you know, we, yeah. So I don't know. We, we, I was, I know I was there to, to, to see Daisy, um, initially. And, and so, yeah. you know, we were all together and we came and everything and your performance kind of blew all of our minds because like, it was like something where we were like, what are we listening to? And then like, we all like kind of collectively looked up and we're like, what are we watching? Yeah. And then it just kind of pinballed between those two yeah. like constantly. And I think what's so interesting about what I do is that on the face of it, it's not that unusual. Mm. You know, it's just a slightly loungy, dancey singer and a keyboard. And like on the face of it, it has conventional elements, yeah. but then somehow it comes off unusual and that's fascinating to me. Why do you think that is? Probably because uh, I like things that are unusual. So it just seeps out of me like that. (laughs) Someone at a performance last night, um, we did a lot of improv and um, my friend Merton Dosh, who you should have on this. um, He was like, I, when you were improvising, like, it was so funny, but there was also so much pathos in it. And I was like, thank you. I always strive to have those two things. Actually, I I don't strive. I just can't help, but like, everything comes out of me funny and with some gravitas. (laughs) (laughs) It's weird, but I try to just let it out. Is that like something you have to practice? Is that, or is that really just Um, innate? You have to practice letting yourself be yourself. That's what I practice. It's very true. Yeah. And just kind of sitting back and like watching what comes out without judging it. Yeah. That's what I practice all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So how, how did like the kind of, I don't know if persona is the right word. Is it a persona? Like That's what I keep asking myself as well. It originally, when I picked the name, it was to pivot away from doing opera stuff into mm-hmm. something that was more punky or weird. And I chose the name soubrette because as you know, the soubrette archetype is like the most feminine 
young, girly, kind of high voice, birdie like mm-hmm. um, opera voice. Uh, but then character, and that's not my voice at all. Um, I was doing more like low soprano and mezzo stuff a couple of years ago. And, um, but the personality of the soubrette, I always really resonated with like the seemingly inconsequential, like maid or like gardener's daughter or whatever. Who just mixes shit up. Who mixes shit up. <laughs> yeah. And like gasses up like the main divas to be a little naughty or whatever. Yeah. And I just love that idea of, like I was saying, like taking the opera, something from opera out of context and putting it into a more DIY experimental um, uh, contemporary music place, um, but coming at it with like a modern interpretation of that archetype. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that idea of like the, <laughs> the inconsequential actually yeah. becoming the fuel for, yeah, you know, for, for whatever. Yeah. Because um. that's definitely how I thought about my music outside of my opera studies. Because mm-hmm. for the longest time, I didn't want to be like a pop singer or do my like my music because it seemed inconsequential. It didn't seem serious, like, and it didn't seem impressive. That's probably what it was. Um, I liked training to be an opera singer because I wanted to be impressive and seem smart. <laughs> And that's a really easy way of doing that. And yeah. there are things about opera that I love, but at a certain point I was like, this is not my world. And I just have to figure out what is. Yes. Well, it's, I just have a, uh, um, a struggle with that difference between like, you know, between opera and going to the opera. Yeah. Like I don't like the opera very often, Yeah. but I love opera Yeah. <laughs> very much. Right. Um, and I connect on it, you know, connect to it in multiple different levels and different, you know, stylistic periods and everything. Like I can yeah. find a whole lot of, you know, just existential, <laughs> you know, things that yeah. are speaking to me in that music. Um, but it's, but it's weird because I don't like, despite the fact that I have, obviously, a lot of opera records right there, I don't necessarily like listening to it, mm-hmm. and I don't like attending it, so I don't know. <laughs> that was totally my experience, too. And I remember being like, well, I'll be somebody who's going to make opera exciting. Mm-hmm. But I think, I mean, the context, like, we need to, I think opera still has a lot of potential because there are so many people who love it and get, still get these existential experiences out of it. But that's my experience too, is that a lot of people don't like going to the opera. So how can we fix that? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there's like, a lot of old money and I get that. Right. That's probably the main reason. But Yeah. But fuck the money. Like it's, you know, like it's, it, it extends like so far past the, the money side of it. Yeah. You know, and it's, uh, you know, I think that there's there's just always like this like competition to find like the person that can give you know x amount of dollars you know find the big donor and everything like right. that, <clears throat> and then you're completely ignoring you know the numbers game where it's like yeah. one of those people or a hundred people that you know um, are going to support you right. know at a, at a, in their own capacity and, right. you know what makes sense their own lives yeah. Um, but they're, they don't really care about right. Mozart, you know, the person. Right. Um, and that's kind of the expectation. Yeah. Is that you should because 
existed. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't necessarily care about Milton the person either, right. except for like the fart stories are pretty funny. To me. <laughs> like I can get yeah. behind that Mozart. Um, but, <laughs> but I don't, you know, I don't really, but like it's what he created, you know, right. that, that carries on for me, I guess. Yeah. Personally. But, um, so what, wait, yeah. I have a question about this. Yeah. What do you, like if there weren't any existing systems or theaters or conventions about performing opera, like just if you if you were just alone in space, mm-hmm. loving opera and loving to sing it, what would be the ideal performance venue or context for that for you? <clears throat> like physical space, kind of yeah, kind of thing or just context. I um. Well, you know, and space is important for opera because it's, it's like right, the, the pinnacle of like acoustic yeah. use, you know? Right. Um, that's how, that's how I think of it more stylistically than anything else. I just yeah. think about it as, as acoustic use yeah. of, the, of the voice, right? Um, so there does need to be a space, but I think it's definitely intimate venues, which people are catching on to and everything. Yeah. Um, but, Spaces where people aren't forced to just look in one direction. Yeah. That's the hardest part for me in classical music in general. Right. Is that even when we're acting on stage and we're a character, the most we can do is imply things because we're only giving one angle of, of view. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a level of it where like the film medium actually right now, I think is a, is a very effective yeah. home for opera right. um, and classical music in general, but yeah. you know, because you get to pivot the perspective, yeah. you know, are you talking like met live type things? No, 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 no. Things made for film. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, yeah. Over the pandemic, I, I remember like, I mean, we're still in the pandemic, but over like lockdown. Yeah. Um, I remember like being desperate to do something, yeah. you know, and everything. And there were all these, every, everything that was out there was, was like Don Giovanni in your closet, basically. Right. And that's what it was. Like we were asking people to record whole operas on their own. Right. You know, um, and like, this is how I record a podcast. I don't think anybody's going to want to see my Don Giovanni, <laughs> you know? I mean, I like, think that would be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it'd be cool, but, yeah. but you know, uh, but I, I, yeah, I mean, it just, it was like, just so, so much, that, but to me, like, that's like, what are you going to see? You know, what, what is, what's going to come out of that? Out of you performing Don Giovanni in your basement? I guess taking something out of context for people. I mean, I think it, what I find so fascinating about people doing opera or something in their home mm-hmm. is that opera singing and the stage demeanor and stuff is so big. And to see that in a domestic space where we move and speak in the opposite way, that's interesting to me. Cause I, it's almost like you're blasting out of the space. Like you're too big for it. And that would be really weird to see, and I would like that. Well, when you put it that way. <laughs> Just with all the stuff that you normally... Like, don't clean it up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's... Okay, well, when you put it that Can't way, wait. that does sound... When's it happening? <laughs> Basement Giovanni. <laughs> uh, in hell. In hell. Underground. 
Okay, wait, I should probably tell you this, and I should have told you this earlier. Uh-huh. I'm not getting anything here. Are you getting anything? Yes. Okay, perfect. Oh, you're not getting Well, then anything. we're good to go. Oh, okay. It's cool. probably better, because I won't be, like, geeking out with the surround sound thing like earlier. Fair enough. Yeah. I wonder why it's not, but... I guess I could take these off if I wanted. Oh, I see why. Oh. Now are you? Actually, I like it better not on. Thank you. There we go. Cool. <laughs> Makes me feel a little shroomy, to be honest. I <laughs> took yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, so, okay. This is an so opera maybe, podcast now. Now it's an opera. opera for the future. Podcast, I know. Um, Everything's opera. The world's a stage, brother. It was all Bill Council, baby. Oh, like oh, that's, oh, oh, oh. Uh, actually, I think that, I think you're the first, like, opera singer I've had I've had on. Yeah. Or anybody, first person, like, really involved in opera in general. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm really involved in opera in general. I used to be. Right. But not really around here. Right. I was just, like, bombing auditions, and I'm like, there's something not right here. And then the pandemic happened. No, 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 not here. But, like... The the royal here? um, Here between, like, me and doing these opera auditions. Oh, okay. Like, there was some shadow or inner child work to be done. And then... But then I got my first big gig touring with the box society of minnesota um and we like rehearsed in montreal and had this big tour going with like people from mexico and canada and here and it was fucking awesome and it's it was kind of a weird um modern collage opera because we took very uh not verity um vivaldi's montezuma yeah oh so you're part of that yeah oh cool and then because it was unfinished uh matthias mauta finished it in vivaldi style and I love that because it brings up something that one of my um, music history professors said, which is that opera is like a zombie that won't die. <laughs> yeah. And so it's kind of like bringing up this, you know, leg of a zombie from the past, like early opera and like making a prosthetic other leg and sticking it and then like yeah. putting some people on top. And uh, it was fabulous. But then the pandemic hit, so it cut the tour short. Oh. And that's when I kind of started Subret. Okay. Oh, so you started that, like... Pretty recently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, all right, so now we're... Now I want to loop back to, like, the performance art. Like, how did that... How did that develop? Like, the, the performance art, the movements, like... It seems very calculated. So is it... I think that's just my Virgo rising making it seem calculated. It's really, like, the only thing that I think about is turning off my brain before a performance because that was something that wasn't really doing it for my personality in opera was because it felt like I couldn't turn my brain off yeah and when I did like my teacher would hit me and be like you're not focusing on the voice hard enough and I was like I don't think I care yeah (laughs) and that was a good realization yeah (laughs) like I was like I think I'm meant to just like be let out of my cage and like flop around on stage and like happen to sing Mm -hmm. rather than like having everything be to create this perfect jewel voice thing. And like another thing that was informative for me was when I would look at artists or like see old videos of artists in the sixties and seventies and whatever, and opera singers and dancers and stuff Anytime somebody was doing something just wild, like performance art, way wilder than I do, mm-hmm. like things that were gory or like naked in public or whatever, I was like, that's cool. Mm-hmm. 
Like, that is what gives me shivers. Yeah. And so I like to think I'm progressing towards something like that. <laughs> stepping, stepping, stepping. Because <laughs> I don't see anybody doing that anymore. And for me, it just, like, it gives me faith in humanity to see anybody doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's definitely not here, like... Exactly. Yeah. Like, that is shivers, you know. Um, yeah. Clutch the pearls. But, uh, right. yeah. What, so, just kind of going, yeah. So, the, 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 the idea, I want to talk about that. Yeah, just that, that idea of, like, um, I guess, uh, identity with, like, the, how, you know, with, with the, what you create, I guess, Yeah. you know? So there was like the disconnect with like the, you know, perfection kind of th- model yeah. of opera and yeah. they'll pay more attention to your voice, which, right. you know, totally like, I think I've actively rejected like every coach and teacher that's like, yeah. been like, you need to think about this more. Right. Like it's, you know, and I'm like, well, but it's your fire that you need to take care of. Uh, yeah. You know, it's your anger and you're like bristling at things. Yeah. It's like, why am I bristling at that? Yeah. That's where the power and direction is, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I actually had a coach tell me when I was um, auditioning for grad school, I wanted to do some opera pieces just to show like the range of my vo- my voice, even though I don't want to go formally in that direction. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> after a few takes of like we did a Tchaikovsky song and then um, a Poulenc aria from Les Mamelles de Tiresias and... Um, the one with like the balloon boobs and then she turns into a man. Yeah. It's the best aria ever. But afterwards, I mean, I was really struggling to focus on the voice and like, that's why I wanted to do these pieces to show, but like my body just like was so hot. And I just, that's the thing that always got me about auditions was like, I felt like I couldn't just roll around on the floor when I needed to. And I think that's my expression of humanity and artistry more than like, there are other people where it's more authentic to stand still and focus on the voice. And I think that's beautiful. And I admire those people and I've been jealous of those people before. Um, But the coach said, she was like, I've come to understand that you have a voice that has to be let, like it has to be let loose. Like your voice doesn't want to be told what to do. Mm. And I was like, I feel very seen. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) And so I've been trying to embrace that more, like at the show at Ice House last night. For the first time, it really felt like everything was coming together where I was improvising this random monologue that my friend Ivan told me to do to introduce the show. He was like, I've never had somebody just yell from the audience to start my set. And I've always wondered what that would be like. So do you want to do that? (laughs) And he was like, I don't care what you yell. It just has to be loud. And yeah. so I just made up a, a monologue on the spot. And then it just kind of turned into singing. I threw some opera voice in there. I threw some like whisper singing in there. And I, that is like the space that I think I want to be a part of where like I just let my voice go and then I get to do all these different voices. Yeah. Yeah. And because the voice can do so much. Oh, so much. It can do so much. And so often we're like, okay, we're in this genre, so we can only use these little, this little swath of the voice. Yeah. But yeah. I want to do everything within yeah. like five seconds. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm early to that. Yeah. I, I, start, I started like figuring out 
like all like the metal screams, like the distortions oh, and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, I think I'm singing my best operatically. I think I'm singing my best now. Yes. Since like doing that and like having some major, like, you know, trial and error moments right. of like, that feels like razor blades. Right. But then also like having a little bit of abandon where it's like, right. Well, let's just make the razor blades there for a second more. Yes. <laughs> you know, let's well, the voice is resilient as fuck. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And it like, is. you've got so much technique that's like subconscious at this point, mm-hmm. like the razor blades probably aren't going to, you know, the line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, the line one, it should be the, t- I mean, a technique should be mostly visceral in the, in the first place. Right. Right. Like a baby crying. Uh, yeah. 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 And somehow for some reason, yeah, and I think this is true for it is true for a lot of walks, you know, for a lot of like places in life and everything that like technique or whatever the equivalent of technique is is for some reason like yeah. I mean, it's in the it's in the word, right? Technical. Right. <laughs> you know, it's but it's not the stuff you're thinking about. It shouldn't be the stuff you're thinking about. It should right. be the stuff that you're not thinking about. Yeah. And it's just happening. Yeah. It's it's default. It's again visceral. It's right. connected to something besides the checklist. Right. It should be. And I think that's why learning technique with like imagery is so important. Mm-hmm. Like I remember the first time that somebody described legato to me as being like follow the ribbon. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's got a such a poetic and kind of emotional like images are so emotional yeah. innately and like so our subconscious picks up on how to do that in the body mm-hmm. more than better than being like do legato. Yeah. Like that's not physical or like, yeah. or integrative. Yeah. Um, so anything like that, which is like a more poetic way of getting to the thing instead mm-hmm. of like telling myself to do the thing is a big part of what I do too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which gets into kind of the whole spirituality aspect of things yeah. too, which, um, which we should get in on right now. But first, how about like we can play some music? There? Let's play some music. Let's do that. You know, um, is this twenty five minutes of talking music? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. We all know it is. <laughs> the creakings of the chair. It, Are you kidding? Yeah, it's a full band over here. The dolphin. <laughs> the dolphin? That somehow exists in my basement. The silent cats that you and the audience are picturing now. Uh-huh. Are they around here? Have you seen them? Uh, no. I don't know. Uh-huh. Can you see them, audience? Uh-huh. Where are they? The mind's eye. Um, yeah, so what's what's something um, what's something on your band camp specifically? Oh, on my band camp. <laughs> yeah, I wanted I wanted like kinda What's even on there? Um any dead Paquette, uh, Silver Squirrel Studio Cat, Can I Wait? I listened to Can I Wait, like, today. That's a cool song. We can play Can I Wait. Yeah? Yeah. That's an interesting, like, that's probably the cleanest thing I've ever done, production-wise. Okay. With that's my friend so Nick Christopoulos, name. who's awesome. Shout out. Shout out, Nick. I didn't know that I was gonna do that. I didn't know that I was gonna I didn't know that I was gonna do that I didn't know that I was gonna But like a tooth through the roof of your mouth I did forget that you even cared So you said that, that you kind of, your, your 
approach to lyrics is to kind of randomize almost, or...? Sometimes. With this one, there was a definite feeling that I wanted to go for about, like, an (laughs) ex-boyfriend. So that was pretty conventional, but, like, um, uh, there's a point... There's one line where it's like, forget that you even care, or forget that you're even there, and I like doing the recording in a way where you can't really tell which word is being said. So it's like conventional in these ways where it's got a guitar and like a drum machine and stuff. Um, uh, but like little things like that, and then like the opera range singing those little ooh ee ah ees and stuff. Um, when I'm doing a more conventional pop song like this, I like to bring different, a bunch of different vocal textures into the fold. Um, and then of course harmonizing with myself in thirds and shit is will always warm my heart. <laughs> I don't think I've ever harmonized with myself. Oh my I god, am. you're missing out. Yeah? Just like, I mean, do it on GarageBand or something. Oh yeah! Like yeah. <laughs> or just hold out a note and then like do a third and then a fifth and then like a major seventh or something. Yeah, I don't think I've ever... Because just hearing like the same texture melding, it's like when I sing with my sister, I'm like, oh, I can oh, like yeah, feel yeah. your voice in me. Yeah. It's cool. Oh yeah, I can understand. Yeah, I used to play in bands with my brother. Yeah, and so that was we had very or we had very similar voices then. Right. And everything. And but, probably similar like delivery yeah. and phrasing, which is interesting. Yeah. You can't rehearse that. I can't. Yeah. You can't. So that was okay. That part I can I yeah connect to yeah. I'd say recording myself, anyways, but like, get in I'm there, writing man. Shit and then not recording it. What? So I keep on writing shit and then not recording it. The thing I've realized is you gotta just like have your recorder set up all the freaking time, and the moment you start writing something, just like rehearse it into GarageBand or something, yeah. and then you can put it together and it could become like a weird collaged piece or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just have it recorded. I I hate drafting things. Yeah. Yes, because it's like on your phone when like you. Photoshop something, then you save it as a draft in Instagram, you're never gonna go back. That's true. Or you might, or like my dad is um, a painter and he's like, I have to get on Instagram and of course is begrudging about it, (laughs) but he is so funny and like does doodles and obviously is an awesome painter. Um, And I'm telling him like, dad, you just gotta be off the cuff with it. Don't plan, because then you'll hate it. Yeah. You have to follow the fun at all costs. Yeah. Yeah. Follow the fun. Yeah, dude. Um, We gotta let ourselves be kids more. Because you can be responsible and enjoy shit like a kid. It's true. That's very difficult. Is it? (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I think it's very difficult. It's very difficult for me. I mean, I'm like... How is it difficult? Uh... Do you feel like you'll get, like, carried away within the childishness? No, you know, I'm not... I don't think it's, like, so... Like, it's not difficult to, like, to be childish. Yeah. I'm you're a performer. very childish, yeah. you know. Um, but uh, it's difficult for me to, like, think about being childish when I'm also thinking about the rest of my life. You know? Oh, yeah. Unless my... You know, it's like... The, like I have to like separate those very much. And, uh, I think I'm at a point where like, as soon as the non-childish thought enters my brain, it just 
turns off. Yeah. You know, the yeah. spontaneity and the play yeah. and everything. Well, I think that's useful too. I mean, like the planning brain, the ego brain is a tool. And mm-hmm. so it's good for that seriousness and that planning to kick in. I mean, I'm often that way too, where it's like, I'm very serious one second and then like yeah. a total dumbass. Telephone is a necklace. Exactly. Yes, I am. Yeah. yeah. There it is. Rotary, everybody, just so everybody knows. Oh, yeah. and it's like an added shoulder pad. Isn't it cute? Yeah. And I already have so shoulder like pads in this dress. Double shoulder pad. In the second dress. <laughs> <laughs> double dress. Double shoulder pad, double dress. You gotta, you gotta just funk around. And actually, the, the headphones do something, too. Thank you. They're kind of oh, like Princess turns. Leia. Oh, yeah. Oh. Thank you. Um, they're like Princess Leia buns. Yeah. yeah. But you can move them around. Which, I mean... Who wouldn't want to move your Leia buns around? <laughs> yeah, right. Leia did. Uh, so, so let's, okay, so I think now we are on, you know, with music. Sense of play, we're on music, and we're also on spirituality. Yeah. Like, so... So, I'm a big esoteric head. Really, anything magical, whimsical, spell involved in spells or whatever mm-hmm. I love. And I'm really into talking about it right now because I used to have so much freaking shame around it. And like growing up as a kid and stuff, I loved magic, but I felt like I had to keep it under wraps because I was just talking to a friend about this. Um, it felt like, like believing in astrology or whatever was tied in with like being a stupid, pretty girl or something. And so... Like, I'm a Libra. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, like, I just remember the boys in middle school being like, that's all so stupid. Like, it's, like, Wasn't only hard science is cool. Though. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> this was, what, like, fifth grade? Yeah. They were discovering sarcasm for the first time. But I remember, like, it being a matter of social acceptance to, to speak intelligently and super logically and that it was weak to show that I liked more imaginative things. That's interesting. Which is, yeah, I just remember feeling like I I had to hide it. Was that like, you know, yeah. I mean, was that like the, the space you were in or like upbringing gender? Like what, what, what was it? Yeah. I do think, um, Around the same time, so I, I went to a Montessori school, which was great for me intellectually and stuff, because it was super independent, and we wrote all the time, and so I loved that. Um, but I remember socially, it was like, a big aspect was, it was only cool to be atheist. Huh, yeah. <laughs> and I remember there was one... Christian kid and people would like whisper under their breath being like, did you know that Spencer's Christian? Like it was like that. So I think part of it was like, Oh, well I don't want to be called out for, and, and I wasn't like, I went to a Unitarian Universalist church, um, which is, you know, there are a lot of atheists in that church and it's about like social involvement and stuff mainly and about defining your own path. Um, but yeah, just even the word God, I was like, I can never, say that and now like i've read enough texts and like done the artist's way and stuff where it's like i want to help you reframe the word god you uh-huh. know it can really be anything and it does the word like conjures up this grandeur that like for me the word mystery or something doesn't quite 
Um, mm-hmm. And obviously I don't, I'm not Christian or Catholic or anything. I mean, anything that's got some kind of strictness around it is what I'm running from. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but like, I have so much more uh, respect for the people whose hearts and minds are in the right place with that kind of thing. Yeah, within that no matter, yeah, yeah, no matter the religion, because there really is, it's all about love yeah, and trust. Well, especially when you're looking, when you're looking at kind of like the, you know, if you're thinking like of some kind of like religion hierarchy of like, uni- well, we'll say like universalist, Unitarian, we'll put that at the top if we're going to go with the hierarchy because of the uh-huh. people. And then like Catholics <laughs> on the bottom and the very like evangelical, you know, wasps like on the bottom, right? Like it is kind of defiant, you know, um, and like is questioning if you are in those kind of more structured religions and you are, I think it's like almost radical to actually actively, um, you know, actively act in a way that is showing love to strangers and, you know, that isn't just you and the person next to you. Right. Um, Because that's, it might, might be what somebody wrote down once to do, but right. sure as hell ain't what they're practicing as a whole, yeah. you know? And that's why, like, our socialization and, like, my experience of, like, feeling like I couldn't say God. I mean, like, mm-hmm. everybody has a different socialization that where you bring up, you're brought up to think, I can never let myself be that. Yeah. Um. And that thing can be so different depending on where you grow up. But I think it's working on that shame, no matter what you believe in, is, like, the crux of everything. Yeah. Of, like, finding your real path and getting along with people and having that love. Because if you have that shame inside of you, kind of, like, dividing you from yourself and dividing you from people, like, um, that's going to tangle you up no matter what situation you're in yeah 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 i i agree that that, that's it's a huge concept and that's you know and there's certainly a lot of shame in minneapolis a certain (laughs) amount of shame oh my god restraint yeah (laughs) you know but it's such a simple concept too yeah you know and i say very often that like you know simple and easy are two very very different words you know yeah like it's such a simple concept to like untangle yourself and yeah. like if you are if you're if you're feeling strongly in a negative way towards anything or any person or idea yeah like what is making you angry it's you know right like, it's something it's always something at war in yourself yeah yeah something self-defined and because you're always projecting the structures that you grew up with yeah and the ones that you feel like make up the world. So it's definitely confusing when you start delving into that stuff. And it takes a lot of patience and a lot of just sitting alone with yourself and not watching TV or listening to anything, just like sh- sitting with your, I almost said shitting with your, <laughs> whatever floats whatever, your boat. <laughs> however many letters in the word you need. <laughs> exactly. It's up to you. <laughs> but really like somatic work, I think is what everybody Mm. is the best beginning place for everybody. Cause if we're talking about our, how we interact in the world and if 
social socialization is how like the physical world around us got inside it's all going to manifest in how our body is feeling mm-hmm. and it, can, can yeah. you kind of like define somatic i mean yeah for, for our listeners and justin i mean yeah it's like a concept i i know that i've seen and uh, now i'm not gonna be able to like define it scientifically well, I don't need, but like a dictionary you know? yeah like, to you basically the body the body sensations and um, the nervous system are kind of jolt reactions to things mm-hmm. and how emotions or shame or whatever cause like chronic tension in our shoulders and hips. And um, so basically anything where you're like tuning into what the body is telling you is somatic. That, yeah. And yeah, I think about so many like in the Midwest, you know, the guilt of the Midwest. Yeah. How, how many like middle-aged plus people are just like, well, my knees are wrecked. My back is, you know, and with no explanation. Right. It's like, they didn't have like an accident. There's no like chronic injury that happened. It's just, they got to a point and their body is just like, I'm fucking done. Yeah. You know, like, because most of us walk around like so out of alignment and with so much tension yeah. and we think that that's normal. Yeah. And then like we smoke weed or something and like feel this relaxation, but then we don't know how to activate that like in our daily lives. Yeah. And it feels like, like at least what I experienced is that like, like when I let my shoulders down, I feel like, Oh, I probably look too proud right now. Yeah. Like I'm probably holding my chin up too high and people are going to think I'm like egotistical. Yeah. Like that's something I think about every single day, but it's just letting my body be how it was made to be. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, I got, I have, I have a uh, like resting bitch face, like galore, yes. like in, in, in the wild, like whenever, uh-huh. but it's just because like, I'm just thinking about, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm just like, you know, I'm taking things in and yeah. like, but then I, then I'll, I'll catch like reflection, it's almost like an opposite kind of thing. Like, oh, huh. you know, catch like a reflection of like Justin, you look angry. Yeah, and then like I'll like do something to like you know, and then like five minutes later, like I'm like, I feel really uncomfortable. Like I just yeah just, yeah. Oh, that's that's interesting. That's taking it in a different direction because I feel like it's also important to let ourselves yeah just let your face be whatever it is, mm-hmm. and the thing that we have to learn as a community is not to take it personally when you see someone with resting bitch face. Yeah. I mean, even just calling it resting bitch face. I try to practice this shit when I'm working at my day job at a cafe all the freaking time. It's like, I know the expectation and I know what would make you the most comfortable is if I'm like, hi, how are you today? And like my voice goes up higher. Yeah. I have to like physically just like drop my voice down to its normal register because I feel like, like, uh, I mean, there's some shame in there for sure where it's like, I seem too dry or I don't mm-hmm. seem, um, like enthusiastic enough to see them. But the truth is I'm not enthusiastic to see yeah. most customers. <laughs> right. Like, and that's okay. That is okay. Because I'm paid minimum wage and this isn't my passion. Yeah. But other days I feel totally excited for no reason just to be like taking in a stranger right yeah. now. You know, yeah, yeah. and both are okay if they're both authentic. Yeah, you know, I mean, we all have different patterns and waves of that. It's true. Yeah, 
just for the for the record, if if like if if anybody does like approach me like, hey, how's it going? Like, yeah. I automatically don't want. To. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't my my conversation is not going to match your energy. So like, yeah. <laughs> well, we can all like we all have the animal instinct for artifice, mm. and mm. I think we're really in danger when we start when that's the thing that's around us most. Yeah. Then we start. I mean. I'm reading 1984 right now, so like, <laughs> it's it, the whole thing about Winston being like, just, um, uh, he said something like, in his mind, like, the truth is not statistical. There was some line where he was finished reading, like, this treatise by Manuel Goldstein, who's the leader of the resistance against the party and Big Brother, and um, he's reading this book, and then he kind of falls asleep reflecting thinking the truth is not statistical the truth is not statistical and so that reminds me of what we're talking about right now because it's like we're all trained to have this kind of artifice yeah and sometimes it feels really radical and scary and like you look like a bitch or something just to act how you actually feel yeah yeah so yeah the more people that take that on the fucking better. Oh, I know. Yeah. And I think we're at a point in our country and the world where, like, there are cracks, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think the quarantine helped a lot of people just, like, sit with themselves more. And, I mean, everybody broke up and yeah. lost their jobs or moved or whatever. Yeah. And I think those kind of transitions and moments where the world, like, stops you in your tracks and is like, just let's try a different direction. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so now, that, now let's talk about some. Yeah, music. Music. <laughs> some music. What sounds, you know, what, what brings what's, to my music? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's, what's, so this, this whole worldview that, that has, you know, uh, a lot of thoughts permeated your brain. <laughs> And, uh, brain and body, right? Like what, uh, well, actually, so first it's like, you know, the first category we just talk about is like, what music did you start feeling like, just start feeling ownership over. And every time I use that word, I like that word a little bit less, but Mm. I do like the idea of like, this is mine. Yeah. (laughs) You know, which is ownership, but you know, you can't really own art but it's just an idea yeah um no i like that question a lot because it's it, it's about seeing yourself in something else yeah, yeah. something being like hey i recognize you mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think we all definitely have those experiences i mean that's what art's for yeah yeah um yeah it, i mean and how often i mean just there's that phenomenon and it happens in like the most bubblegum of stuff right you know like of people people going to sing it right to me. Yeah, totally. And and it's like, you've never met before. Right. You know, you don't even exist. Yeah. You know, you're not even molecules to this person. Right. But you're convinced. Yeah. You know, song is written for me. They're singing to me. This is for me. Right. Um, And that's why specificity in art is so important. I mean, I talk about like fucking around and making up lyrics and stuff, but I know that like specific imagery is better than like conceptual language and stuff like that. So like, um, what was I fucking saying? Yeah. Specificity, even if it's simple, like in a pop song, that's why I don't write off pop is because so often I'm like, yes, this gives me the yes. And 
they could be talking about something that, you know, the lyrics aren't that original, but it's like, is the feeling of love original? No. No. That's what makes it great. <laughs> and as long as they're talking to one specific person or like you can feel they're talking about a specific situation, then it's got legs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so take that thread. Yeah. And what's some music that, you know, made you go, this is that fit that, that definition or yeah. that idea. Um, I know you said in and kind of like, you know, your, you know, notes you sent me that, that like that idea, you know, kind of emerged in your adult life. Yeah. Yeah. But actually now that it's been percolating, it didn't, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it, I think it emerged in my adult life, like for my own music, but I think that's kind of a different route. Because now that I'm thinking back, it was playing classical piano is where I felt that. And like that Chopin prelude that I mentioned in the notes, like just coming home after school. And I was like fucking serious. Like I would play piano for like four hours a day and I just loved it. It felt like an outlet for my seriousness where like I, I felt like I had to have this artifice to fit in at school, which is wild to say, because I'm like a pretty conventionally pretty white girl. But like, I remember feeling that being like, you cannot act how you feel around people. (laughs) And I think we all feel that way to some degree. And, but with piano, it was like, the more I expressed how I actually felt that day and stuff. And of course I only like the sad stuff. Um, the better it sounded and it would just come right back to you. And so that was kind of a validation of letting it out. Um, and Chopin really did that for me because a lot of the pieces are super simple and have this kind of hypnotizing thing with, which definitely influences me now in like meditation music and things that are more kind of chanty um, or even like repetitive disco beats. I mean, just, things that repeat a lot of them will have this big like wah wah hand in the left hand mm-hmm. just like dun, 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 dun. and then just this beautiful melody and these pieces are only a page long yeah and they start out just so just alone yeah. <laughs> and then they usually come to this like big climax where for like two seconds you're like dun, 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 and you can get out that like fire yeah and then bring it back to like well behind anger there's always sadness you know that's it's my, my first instrument was violin yeah oh yeah, yeah. You can really get in on that. You can really get in. I mean, hot crossbones, not. You're right. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and there was a similar, was a similar thing. Just that idea, like there was something. And I went to Catholic school. Oh. And through middle school. Yeah. Um, and so it was almost the you know, opposite of what you were saying before, right. like. You know, like they're an atheist. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Joey Allen. It was Joey Allen. Yeah. <laughs> but was, I don't know if he was an atheist or if he just listened to Slipknot. Like, right. I don't know. <laughs> like, God. You know. Oh, that's so, so interesting. But that's but that was like the person that you know. I was like, I want to be like yeah. Joey. You know, yeah. everybody else hate. You know, they were like hated Joey. Right. He had no friends. Yeah. I thought he was the coolest. Yeah. I don't even know if we talked though. Like, send him a Facebook I message. Send him a Facebook message. I'm always worried about that. Like, you know, like when I like, 
think back on someone being cool. I'm like, I want to like open it up and be like, oh. Oh, they're not cool? Meet everybody. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Totally. I mean, it would be an interesting experiment. It would be an interesting experiment. Yeah. Um, But uh, I'm going to bring up this Chopin piece. Yeah. Oh, got it. Um, I should have sent you a specific pianist playing it, because I know sometimes I've looked it up and been like, I like it better when I play it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that always the case, though? I mean, not always the case, but like, you know. I mean, it feels more like. Yeah. Yeah. Self-expression. Yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, let's see. Let's see what happens here. Listening, Justin. Sorry. <laughs> Talk to me. That's what you do for music. You just listen to it. can't hear it. <laughs> I can't hear it. I'm going to listen. It's all right. It's... That interval? Jesus Christ. Oh, it does the... Yeah. Yeah. Was she feeling it? <laughs> was, was she feeling it? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, the pianist. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah really taking their sweet time. Yeah. yeah, I love that so much. That piece just, my Chopin Preludes book is just like a complete yeah. mess. I've just like brought it with me everywhere. Yeah. Um, I should probably learn more songs in it, I guess, but. Well, you know. Should. Just show I should never say should. Stop, yeah. Stop shooting yourself. Look, I'm a real um. pianist. <laughs> Look how fucked up my Chopin is. <laughs> Um, uh, yeah. Oh, I fucking love that. Well, and so, yeah, I mean, it's such a great, that's like one of those tracks, one of the tracks, one of those pieces, compositions, pieces of art, timeless classics that sounds, I think, almost better on like a, a detuned piano. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, when the piano, when the instrument's crumbling, like, I think yeah. it... it really add something to it yeah like too. what's that movie where she gets the piano shipped over the piano is that what it's called it might be the piano. <laughs> and then like her fingers get cut off or something like, it's a great movie uh, yeah well that's probably enough to like get people like, interested yeah right that's another a piano good classic. arrives yeah fingers get they like cut move off. to an island or something there's a piano yeah but um 
Yeah. That made it sound like I was going to say something. Um, something I find interesting about pianists and why I don't like a lot of um, recordings is that I feel like they just take things like they've got a lot more um, staccato and they usually do yeah. things faster. But like looking back, like I definitely was way too lugubrious with it just stylistically because it felt so good. So good. When I was like 11 being like, yes. I feel things. <laughs> Being like, I can really unleash my feelings here, and he understood. Well, that's that's interesting. I, I used to um, uh, when I was when I was I don't know how old I was. I think this was like still in high school. I, I would I used to go to Polish Fest in Milwaukee with my grandma, mm-hmm. and we'd go to cool. the Chopin competition, oh. and there it was like a youth competition. Yeah, and so I was always. You know, I don't know. I mean, like, there's, like, there's the kids who, like, it's, like, obviously, like, their parents, like, spent too many thousands of dollars on, on lessons. And, yeah. like, rulers are probably involved, you right. know, on the wrists and everything, right? Um, but then the kids who, want, who, who, like, would win it would always actually, like, be, there'd be something really moving about it. Yeah. You know, but it's, like, this, also this, you know, thing where... What what have they felt in their life? Right, you know? right. I mean, obviously something. I mean, like. Well, kids are, you know, close to past lives and shit. Like yeah. they've they're carrying stuff. They are. I mean, they're carrying stuff from mom's womb. Just, I mean, I feel like they're closer to the ancestral uh, trauma or feelings or what have you. Yeah. You know, and because things haven't happen to them specifically usually they can tap into that Chopin-esque mm-hmm. great you just, somberness you just let them yeah I agree I I, <laughs> I I used to have a joke that turned into like a uh, like a existential belief <laughs> I yeah. guess like you know that they like, would always joke that like you know kids like when like the babies like when they cry like yeah. you know like that they're like remembering their past life, but like what what if like they were just like an accountant, you know? And they're like you know, so they're like crying and they're like, ah, oh, it's taxed. Oh wait, I'm a baby. Never yeah. Mind. Like that, know, that's tax funny. season's over, you know. I like that. Right? But like then it like the more I would like make the joke, the more I'm like, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That maybe Well we don't fucking we know, memories. so it could easily be that. Right. Like yeah. what are we thinking about before we have memories? What right. are we crying about? You know? Because I mean, we cry a somatic lot. shit. Somatic shit. Yeah. And we cry a lot more often than we have needs. Right. Or right. do, you know? That's a good point. Well, so. I think they're testing out their... Like we were talking about how, you know, opera te- good opera technique yeah. is that guttural baby scream. Right. Like, they're learning to assert that they take up space in the world. You know? That's interesting. Instead of taking up space in mama. Yeah. You know? And... Realizing that their their auras goes farther than their physical body because right. they can scream the house down. I guess they uh, can. Yes, they can. Yeah, and then people come running, so they're like, "Oh, I can have an influence from here on over there." Interesting. Yeah. Uh, just, ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, My power. Yeah, uh, that, that's that's interesting. So maybe it's not all accountants. It's <laughs> Some of them, I'm sure. Some of them are definitely. 
or accountants. Yeah. It's like the thought of a baby being like, I used to be a respected magician. <laughs> yeah. You know? <laughs> now all I, have, all I have are these fat fingers. <laughs> Can't even grab things. <laughs> wow. There's so many things I want to build. <laughs> yeah. But then we start to develop memories and then, you know, we forget past And then we be- and... become ourselves. Yeah. And then we try to unlearn a bunch of shit. Yeah. The circle of life. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Roratorio. Yeah. In a second. Uh, it's a long episode, so we won't let that one, this one roll the entire time. But uh, The beginning is so affecting, though. Yes, it is. It is. Um, let me get that queued up really quick. Hey, I forgot that's how it started. <laughs> It just wheedles into your brain and then like makes new space in there. I think it's because it's like all incidental. Yeah. But like all of a very specific place or you can imagine a, a specific kind of city. Yeah. I love the combination of machine noises and then very human noises. This was the first thing that I listened to, and I was like, anything is fucking possible. Yes, I was gonna ask, like, this is, so this is like the, get your ears weird. Yeah. You know. And this was pretty late. So my senior year in undergrad, I took this class called um, Text and Performance, and it was all about sound art like this, like using words in weird ways, basically. It was a poetry class, but we had to make these performances, and a lot of them were just using sounds and no legible words, things like that. Cool. And you could integrate, like, loops and things like that. And I remember it was the end of my senior year and we were signed to listen to this and this poetry professor was always really specific about how you listen to it. It's like, you have to listen to it in headphones, like eyes closed, like intense. And he also gave out uh, like poetry exercises, like go lay in the middle of nowhere for half an hour and stare at the sky. You're not allowed to listen to anything or do anything and then immediately free write for half an hour and then make a poet poem only out of what you free wrote. And you're in kind of a daze because yeah. you're like staring at the sun for half an hour. Right. So this is the kind of poetry professor we're talking about. So I'm like, I will do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this was like a crazy week when we were assigned to listen to this. And this shit is like long. And I remember I was involved in a bunch of different senior projects and we were recording um, this 
really hard um, experimental jazz thing that was all written out. And we were recording in the woods in the Hudson Valley in this little shack. And I was having a really bad time. I think Mm. like my antidepressants had run out and it was like busy week from hell. I had my senior performance coming up in a few days and I was trying to like give this recording my all while also like not breaking my voice because I was still pretty young then. And I remember it was late at night. I was so sick of being around these dudes (laughs) (laughs) and they were playing Settlers of Catan. I remember. And I was like, I have to go be by myself. And so I found a dirty old couch, like in the basement of this recording shack and just put on my headphones and listened to this. And just, it's weird when something so incidental and kind of confusing and non-conventional calms you, Mm -hmm. but this was so calming. It was like being under a wave. Mm. Um, And I think the unusualness of it calmed me because it kind of brings you into the present. Because when you have a pop song or something that's more conventional, all of your judgments and like structures are involved in hearing that. Um, But I think that's what I like about things that are unusual is because they force you just to listen, just to open your brain. Well, you constantly like, what's that? What is that? What is that? Yeah. You know, so it's, it's a, I think it's a way of being, It's like a way of being present, but letting your like subconscious kind of work out the present a little yes. bit. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. you're actively questioning what you're experiencing, right? Um, but you're not like, you know, being like, "What? But what does that have to do with with my dad?" You know, like, right. whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, like you right. Know, you're letting your brain kind of take care of, yeah. of, of whatever that is, because the meaning isn't given. Yeah, yeah, and that's what because we're always projecting our own internal situations on everything anyway. So Mm -hmm. why complicate it by, um, or like, I guess I'll (laughs) go back on what I said about pop music earlier, (laughs) whereas like when it is specific, well, this is why I prefer making things that don't mean something definite, Mm -hmm. um, is because it forces people into that situation. Yeah. Just to, open well and that goes that goes you know back to what i was saying about you know my first experience with your music you know i mean we had there's four of us like that had that moment you know during your set a couple of times even you know um you know where we're like we're like what are we hearing and then like we're kind of talking about like what we're hearing and that like splintered off into something you know and then it's like wait, look, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when we seen. And so it was, it was four of us collectively, you know, kind of having that, that, that experience of like, of getting out of the over-assessment and back into, um, yeah, back into the moment. Yeah. And it's so much like meditation too, where it's like, uh, when you're watching something that's, that you don't quite, know what to assign to it um it's like sitting alone in your brain trying to meditate and like a thought will cross Uh and you're like don't attach to the thought yeah or you get to see it you try to stand back 
and just be like, why am I having this thought? Mm-hmm. Or like that, that noise of the dumpster truck outside, like really made me angry. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause that's another fascinating thing about doing something weird is that sometimes it makes people angry. Sometimes it does. <laughs> and I've been surprised. I mean, I honestly want to make people angry more often because yeah. I think that's a good, um, kind of test to see if you're hitting the right spot. Uh-huh. Um, because I think anger is the best emotion ever because anger has an engine and it has a direction. Mm. So when something makes you angry, there's such a specificity to that. And you can, you can do really good anger, really good work with anger because it's so specific. Yeah. And it's your body and mind telling you, I don't like that. I'm going to go in a different direction, which sometimes is good. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's good to just sit and be like, is that really me talking? Or like the four-year-old me who was like lost in the grocery store, you know, it brings up so many questions. It does. It's, you know, uh, rage, (laughs) you know, like is, is kind of like how I, you know, think of it too, you know, like it's, you know, used to be use rage, and it's it's something kind of conjures up something very violent and everything. But mm-hmm. it, to me, it has a lot more to do with like direction, yeah. you know, and yeah. and actually, and no, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Anger, anger to me is is kind of the the ambiguous feeling, yeah, you know. Um, but to rage against something, right? Uh, is very the machine, very perhaps the machine, perhaps <laughs> coming back after eleven years. Um, oh shit! I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Finally, finally making good on that tour. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have to check that out. Right. Yeah. I know that'd be that'd be cool. I, I I got into Rage Against the Machine the year they broke up. Oh no! Um, and yeah, you just left with your memories. I am. Well, this, but this will be, and this is really a rabbit hole. But this will be the second time that I get like the um, like the Beatles experience because kind of how I think of it because also. Neutral Milk Hotel was like oh. a huge, huge part of like my, yeah. my like, you know, kind of this is mine moment, you know, as a band, it was one of those bands. Um, and, but they were already, you know, at that point, like six, seven years defunct, you know, they, they, nobody even knew where Jeff Mangum was, like literally geographically. Yeah. And then, you know, I saw them, I saw Jeff Mangum like live. Yeah. Like whenever that was, like eight years ago now or whatever. Uh-huh. And that was like, it was like, yeah, it was like somebody like was like, hey, the Beatles are alive. Right. <laughs> they're all here, actually. We were just kidding. And here they're playing, you know, yeah. like, it, and it's them. It's not, you know, so uh, Rage Against the Machine would be another. Yeah. Like what was that feeling very... of watching them on stage when you didn't think you'd ever see them? Oh, that was that was um it was really emotional actually like and I don't I, I don't think I'm gonna go see him again yeah, because he keeps on doing the, you know Jeff keeps on doing these tours because it's not really Neutral Milk Hotel but Neutral yeah. Milk Hotel was Jeff Mangum in the first place right. you know so but so he keeps on going you know doing these tours every couple of years but like that moment was like it was um the word I'm looking for. Um, it's almost like, I don't know, validation is coming into my head a little bit. Mm. 
like I just I felt I felt it felt validating to see this music performed in real life. Yeah. You know, that it wasn't just like some mistake, like it wasn't just something that somebody did once, you yeah. know, that's something that years later, you know, that person can return to mm-hmm. and, um, and like just have that, that same impact for me. I mean, and it was like, it's still like, it, it, it didn't make me feel like I was, you know, 15, you know, like it, it, it made me feel oh, however old I was, 26, you know, like it yeah. was like, it fit me like a glove in that moment again. Yeah. You know, um, there's something in it that was yours. There was something in it that was, that was mine. Yeah. And so it did kind of feel very similar to the first time I heard like in the airplane over the sea. Yeah. Um, but as if I was hearing it for the first time. Yeah. And seeing it live, I mean, is so different from hearing it because there's something about listening to recordings that's so intimate that is great and has mm-hmm. its own potency. But then seeing it physicalized in the world is like, which is why I like performance art so much is because seeing the person there doing it and all these people getting together to see them is like, Oh, this can be real in the world. This isn't just about me going into my room and having my special interior world, which is also so valuable, but like to see it turned out in the world is big time. Good feelings. Yeah. Yeah that actualization of the interior. Well, it's sharing, you know, without like talking yeah. to anybody else, you're sharing like yeah. this very, um, <clears throat> specific keeps on coming up in this conversation, but this yeah. very specific part of, of your interior. Right. You know, and you can like look back and be like, you know, that person up on the balcony, it's like, it right. Me. Right. You see, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yes. Uh, and, we're here together. Yeah. And, but without like, talking it out Mm -hmm. like we were talking about with like specifically meaningful lyrics versus ambiguous lyrics it's like there's so much more feeling in just like looking up at somebody out the balcony and being like yeah dude (laughs) yeah 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 Yeah, i'll never see you again but here we are right (laughs) yeah but this is a big moment big moment Yeah. yeah um so let's Let's go into this, this part. Okay. So now you got a lot of influences now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, uh, so we're going to resurrect the playlist. Um, I haven't done that in a few episodes, but, uh, um, you know, the list that you sent me and we got Lingua Ignota, um, who made, made the, made uh, Daisy's episode. Yeah. Good. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's actually my, uh, a friend Bill, um, who's fantastic. He's like, it's like, he's, I mean, he listens, he's listening now. He's great. Like he's, he's like a finance guy, like, you know, and everything. Uh, but then also like, it, is a composer and like creates music, like, he, like Sick. around like a harpsichord, you know, like plays harpsichord nice. and like there's all these like song cycles and everything. He's made his own language, you know, Ooh, he like gets down with this guy all the weird stuff and everything. Yeah. Um, so, so actually while we were listening to your set, I was like, Bill, you also got to check out language. Nota." Yeah. <laughs> I had texted to him and, and, and he dug it, but, uh, um, <clears throat> but yeah, so he was there and he also really, really enjoyed the set, but so yeah, yeah. language. Nota, 
Uh, Fiona Apple. Yeah. Like, I mean, like... I get that. It, it feels like Fiona Apple is just implied. Like, I don't know if I needed to add it to the <laughs> yeah, list. It's true. Because she's, like, been there since I was a kid playing Regina Spector and shit on the piano. Mm-hmm. I mean, Fiona Apple, that rage, you know, yeah. is... That rage combined with that sadness and being such a wicked piano player. I mean, I saw so much of myself in that. So anything that she does... I mean, her most recent album, I loved all the just lo-fi pots and pans percussion and shit. Mm -hmm. And just you could really feel the space of like wherever her homestead is just being like, I fucking feel this and I like it and you can all go to hell. It's the whole press record thing that you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. It's an idea to just press record. Yeah, because that rawness is usually going to be the thing that's special about it. Yeah. Like, don't beat the life out of it by, like, repeating it a bunch of times. And, of course, it depends on the thing. But that was something about, like, opera singing, like, having to... Well, it's totally different from opera singing is that you have to, like, practice a run all the freaking time. And then once you get it, you're like, I am a god! And that's a great feeling, obviously. (laughs) But there's also that spontaneity of... I mean, I would love to hear opera singers just, like, make up runs on the spot and, like, hear them flop around and fail, but also, like, have these virtuosic, like, milliseconds. Yeah. That sounds so fucking that interesting to me. really cool. Dude, were you able to... Were you improvising at all during the Vivaldi? No. Or was it kind of... I was pretty... Honestly, I should have improvised more on the Da Capo, but I was just, like, peeing my pants, being, like... My first big professional thing, like, don't fuck it up. Right. No, Which obviously is different from what I'm doing now. Right. <laughs> so it's found a release. But, um, yeah, no. Uh, we're going we're gonna to throw on a little bit of Fiona Apple. Yeah. And that people... Um, I'm curious to see what you pick out. I'm going to pick Fetch the Bolt Cutter. Cutters. Oh, yeah, cool. Title track of Fetch the Bolt Cutters, because this, this is... Um, this track, I think, is is uh, the one where you get to hear her dogs. Yeah. In the background. Which is just really cool. Um, pause. Am I paused? I am paused. All right. No, I'm not paused. Genuine. I was just so furious, but I couldn't show you because I know you and I know what you can do, and I don't want to war with you. I won't afford it. I hear the similarity in voices now that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen to Fiona Apple's and you've got them all convinced that you're the means and the end. All the VIPs and PYTs and wannabes, afraid of not being your friend. This track also reminds me of Piss Factory. Uh, I don't know Piss Factory. Patty Smith. Oh. Like the like sure. OG Patty Smith yeah. single. I gotta go back to that old stuff. 
That's why I was like that spoken word. Yeah. Like, talk about your anger. Yeah. <laughs> well, just like the stream of consciousness with the occasional. Um, I just love all the constant rule breaking. In the beginning, Fiona's just like. Yeah, I was just thinking about you and like, well, I guess I wasn't thinking about that time. I was just kind of, and that kind of blasé is unexpected. And it's kind of boring in a way, but I like that. It's arbitrary. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of times shit just is like that in your head. Yeah. Whatever happens, whatever happens. And of course, that sentiment, fetch the bolt cutters, I've been in here too long, yeah. is so perfect because it, there's all of her language is just kind of stale, and of course, she knows that. Um, the way I was, the way she was, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's almost like she's getting sick of the staleness of her language so she's like gotta get those bolt cutters make a new space I grew up in the shoes they told me I could feel when they came around I would stand real still and we like kept up with Fiona Apple like because I, I, I remember her being a big deal and like getting down with like one or two albums I don't know I mean, they were probably out in the 90s, but that's not when I would have listened to them. Yeah. I mean, the first time she came to my knowledge was with Extraordinary Machine, when I was still a kid. Um, and I loved that so much, and I just sang that track, Extraordinary Machine, all the time. Nice. I haven't really kept up with her since, but now I follow a bunch of fan accounts that have, like, <laughs> little, like, the snippets. Foot snippets. Yeah. And she's such a fabulous contemporary figure because she just doesn't care about social media. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the future we're going towards. Yeah. Like, you think this, the future is... Not caring about not it. Not caring about it. Yeah. I can't wait to get there. Yeah. I, I can't wait. Yeah. More on the ground, community gardening type stuff. Yeah, whatever happened to street teams? Like, you know... Like, that's a great idea. Well, they all became social media managers. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Like, you know, put the posters up. Hand out the postcards. Yeah. Or just like roll around in the street and when somebody asks you what you're doing, you be just like, yeah, come <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I don't think posters are going to cut it anymore. No, we got to be more creative. No. You have to be the poster. Yes. Yeah. Texture, man. There's so much texture and just, yeah, in the day-to-day. -day. Right. And I think this is a brilliant production decision to have those lo-fi ambient field mm -hmm. recordings with a condenser mic on her gorgeous breathy voice. Yeah. And that obviously very skilled cello player or bass player or whatever. It gets your mind going to all these different places at once. Yeah. It's pretty roratorio. It is pretty roratorio, <laughs> actually. Yeah. It really is. Um, 
Uh, we, we've we've reached the end of our time. Together. No. I want to thank you for this has been so fun. Uh, this has been really fun, really fun. We talked around music, but yeah. that's kind of how I do things anyway. That's hey, <laughs> it's all fair game. Yes, you know, it is. It's all music. It is. Um. So yes, thank you for your time. Thank you for for chatting and. Um, nudging my brain different directions yeah, and everything. Likewise. Um, you know, like I said, now, now I gotta think about waltz rhythms for three hours. Right. So, yeah. so this is, uh, this, this is nice. Um, it'll, it'll reset your brain. I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, so to send us out, give us what, what's your take on the, uh, um, new music icon impression? Wait, what does that mean? Yeah, see, every, every time. <laughs> New music icon. So am I talking about a music icon or am I the music icon? I mean, whatever you want to be. New music icon impression. Yeah. Honesty is key. That's my impression Honesty of the world right now and the future of art and shit. I think people like to be surprised more than they give themselves credit for. And we got to get to know ourselves better because that's where the good art is. And that's how you can actually listen authentically to what's around you and get new input. So honesty. Honesty is key. And talking honestly. Yes. No matter what you think you're supposed to say or do. Well, now I don't know what to say or do. <laughs> <laughs> Your subconscious is already working on it. <laughs> Somatically, you know. Yes, yes. All right, well, there you go. Be impressed. <laughs> yes. Um, be impressed upon and yeah. impress yourself upon the world. There you go. Yeah, there, there we go. go. We Sound got there. Light. All right. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.